all right everyone welcome back to the 12th episode we got a dozen of these things out now mm. of the chats at the charity stripe podcast i am your co-host jacob and i'm your other co-host josh welcome back everyone thanks for listening appreciate yeah. it yeah um ready to jump into our press break yeah i think the big thing we need to discuss a little bit james harden um, I was thinking, let's let's get the injuries out of the oh, way. Oh, sure. Yeah, and then let's we'll, do it. We can dive in there because I got some, you know, we got some thoughts there. Yep. What you got for injuries? Uh, Jamal Murray will be out until at least the end of November with a hamstring injury. Mason Plumlee is out at least two months with an MCL injury. Robert Williams the third is likely out for the season with a knee injury that requires surgery. I'm not sure. Do you know what that knee injury exactly is? Um, it was uh, non-specified. I, I don't know if it's related to any ligaments such as MCL, ACL, PCL and within the knee itself. I'm not 100% sure. I know those are usually longer term uh, procedures, maybe a meniscus repair as well. Hmm. Not, not 100% on that. But yeah, it's unfortunate that he's out for... That long. Um, and then Wendell Carter Jr. is out with a broken hand, which he had surgery on, and he'll be reevaluated in two weeks. Tyler Hero is out for at least two weeks with a grade two ankle sprain. I've also got a new one. It just was announced a couple couple minutes ago. DeLon Wrights of the Wizards um, has a MCL sprain. He's going to be out four to six weeks. So, so he I'm probably won't play for the Wizards again this year. <laughs> probably be traded. <laughs> probably. Um, <clears throat> any thoughts on of those? Any of those injuries are, or any of them? Obviously, Jamal Murray is a big, a significant loss. But the other ones we've covered, what do you think? Who's the the most significant loss out of the rest of those? Believe it or not, I think it's Mason Plumlee. I agree. And uh, I'll I'll get into that a little bit more when we get into the the big news. But mm-hmm. I, I think I think he's gonna. I think he was really key to what the Clippers needed to get done. I agree, especially having uh, when Zubac goes onto the bench. Um, they definitely need him to come in and and be that anchor in the paints, and they kind of just lost that secondary anchor. Yeah, don't really have any other big men outside of Zubats and Plumley, so we'll see if they make some moves to at least temporarily patch that up. Yeah, and I had mentioned Jamal Murray as being probably the biggest hit, but the Nuggets are just that good. They're still going on a tear without him. Yeah, they've still <laughs> so. only lost the one game to the Timberwolves. So yeah. Which is nuts that the Timberwolves have. You know, we'll get into this a minute in a minute later, but Timberwolves have been home wreckers recently. Yeah, so. they have. Uh, do you want to get right into the the big trade? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so let's start off with the uh, the biggest news. So the Kings traded for uh, Philip Petrosev <laughs> and a second round pick. <laughs> and big some trade. Cash. Yeah, uh, actually, no, it was Philip Petrosev and some cash. That was the big trade that happened. Uh, no. <laughs> That was a side effect of the other trade. So uh, the Clippers received James Harden and P.J. Tucker. The Sixers received K.J. Martin, Nick Batum, Marcus Morris, um, Mm -hmm. Robert Covington, uh, 2028 unprotected first, a 2027 protected first via the Thunder, although I don't Mm -hmm. know if it was their pick, probably not. The unprotected first was from the Clippers, and mm-hmm. then they received a 2029 pick swap and two second round picks. Yep. And then the Thunder received a pick, 2026 pick swap from the Clippers and send out that pick to the, um, the Sixers. And the, oh, does that cover it? That was it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, <laughs> where do you want to start? Um, let's let's start with the Clippers. Okay. Let's let's take care of this first. Um, I think that James Harden. We okay. So that we're we're recording this at, as we speak on the 11th of November. They have had four games together. Four. Four three games. Three games together as a group um, with Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and James Harden now in the rotation as well. They have lost every single game with him so far. Are you worried about this? Or do you think that this is just a side effect of having a new trade on the team? Um, I think it's this this particular trade is not – James Harden's not a plug-and-play into the mm-hmm. system. I think the good news, two out of those three games, they were really good defensively, yeah. although their offense was terrible, and then they just played the Mavericks and gave up 144 <laughs> points. They did score 126, but they got yeah. – I believe they uh, just – Real quick, I think the Mavericks went on a 54-9 to run in that game. So they were down by 10 in the first quarter and went at halftime up t- more than 25. That's so insane. Uh, incredible run there. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm not – I'm not. I think I'll go – I'll give them 10 games and then mm-hmm. I might start being worried if they haven't found anything yet. But I do yeah. think three games in, I think it's natural to have some struggles. That's funny that you said that because James Harden actually said today, he was like – Give me ten games whenever I'm traded, and then I'll it will will mesh better. Then it's like okay. He's like Windows. It takes a while for the system to boot. <laughs> Truth, yeah. He, I don't know. I I think this, I think this trade needed to happen, uh, just to get him in a new location. And as a Sixers fan, I'm very excited for this saga to be over. Um, but. The, the amounts that the Clippers gave up towards the Sixers is very promising as a Sixers fan as well, where they can package these players into a trade somewhere. Or now that they're seven and one, do we trade? Yeah. <laughs> do we um, hold on to these guys and then wait for in the upcoming offseason where yeah. we can sign a second star? Yeah. A third star. You third, mean. Yeah. Maxie's already a star. Yes. Um, I think I think I'll start. For me, with what the Clippers gave up, essentially, Marcus Morris wasn't... I don't even know if he was with the team. Wasn't playing at all. Yeah. So, not really a loss there. Basically, just a salary dump. Robert Covington barely was getting minutes. K.J. Martin, not getting very many minutes. Really, the only valuable piece that they gave up was Nick Batum. Um, It kind of hurts from a fan, too, because he was really bought into being in L.A., being with the Clippers. Uh, Reportedly, he considered retiring because he just didn't want to leave L.A. Yeah. So, you know, that kind of sucks. Um, and, you know, there was some draft capital there. But from a right now standpoint, I do think because they got P.J. Tucker back in this trade, who basically fills the role mm-hmm. to a certain extent of everyone they gave up, um, I don't I don't think it was that costly from a, you know, right now perspective. Now, if it doesn't work, yeah, then, then it was costly because they don't have those picks anymore. But right now, I think it was a pretty good deal from their perspective. I, I agree. I I think that uh, P.J. Tucker leaving the Sixers is kind of a hit for the Sixers. But on the the Clippers' end, I honestly think he's a a super valuable piece. Now that they have lost, um, now I don't think he's going to fill the role of Mason Plumlee by any means. But he's a little bit bigger. He can kind of guide around. He's definitely a glue guy in in the way of him being... 
a motivator. Like he goes out and wants you to play your hardest and will get you to do that anyway. <laughs> he possibly yeah. can. I mean, he, he's a valuable piece in the locker room on the court. I mean, he's, and he's not going to be, I'm not saying he's going to put up 10, 15, 20 Might points every night. Put three up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But he is a, de- a defensive harasser too. So yeah. I think that's going to be very good. And he can, he's, you know, he's more of a, a smaller forward ish. So he's not going to be guarding the big guys most of the time, but well, he might be now. Yeah, that's true. Some PJ Tucker, the five hours coming up. Yeah, that's true. So I don't know. We'll just have to, you know. I I, I think I think that he was a, honestly a valuable piece in this trade for them. I, I that's probably what the Sixers had to package with him to get back. I think the Sixers were fine with getting him up because he does yeah. have a slightly higher than you'd like price tag. Right. And just from a fit perspective, they were basically saying go play defense and stand in the corner, mm-hmm. which is a replaceable skill set yeah. if you will yeah which isn't to say that's all that pj tucker can do we've seen him do more but that's how the six are using him so yeah. i think they were fine giving him up yeah. what do you think has to happen for this to work for the clippers with, for the clippers specifically with james harden so we actually had talked about this briefly last night um i think i think that russell westbrook has to be the primary ball handler in this situation, which is crazy to me that I'm saying this, hmm. rather than James Harden. The game that I watched, I was able to watch with him. It was his debut against, um, who were they playing? The Knicks. Night? Was it the Knicks? I think that's who he played in the debut. Oh, okay, They yeah. played the Knicks, the Nets, and the Mavs so far. Yes, it was It was the Knicks. Um, James Harden was the prom- primary ball handler and was making some questionable passes uh he was doing a lot of pick and roll with zubac and while it worked 50 percent of the time the other 50 percent, he was trying to skip past across the court to Kawhi in the corner also it's it's hard to say whether that was just error but they shot horribly that game it was atrocious um but I, I honestly think Russell Westbrook needs to be the, the primary ball handler in this situation. I think he has grown into his role of being like a secondary player rather than the primary. And that will give him more of like a pass first to a better situation rather than I need the ball in my hands. And I think James Harden was was pretty darn good at spot up shooting rather than off the bounce. He was slightly less off the bounce than he was uh, spot up last year. So I think if uh, we yeah. get him more, just real quick, I think he was thirty-eight percent on off the bounce threes and forty percent on spot up threes. Yeah, it was just like a very slight difference. But um, have Russell Westbrook get him those spot up threes. Yeah, and and here's where I'll, I don't know that I necessarily want to say Westbrook has to be the primary ball handler. I think they can share that a little bit, but I do think James Harden's willingness to take catch and shoot threes mm-hmm. is going to be the key to this working and it seems oversimplified and it probably is but we saw it a couple times through the first couple games already where he gets you know paul george drives they help in he kicks out to james harden and james harden stops the ball instead of catching shooting it yeah. he's a good catch and shoot player just yeah. shoot it right he's open shoot it and there's he's so far in his career he's been hesitant of late you know because of houston right it was like hey get mm-hmm. the ball go to pick and roll do your thing and that's what he's been taught to do. But now I think he has to shoot off the ball, catch and shoot threes. He's got to mm-hmm. make cuts. He's got to play off the ball for this to work. 
I, yeah, it, 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 I, he's never been in the situation before where he's the third best person on the team. Yeah. So I think that's definitely and, and it, it feels very similar to, which I mean he's shooting way better than what Westbrook was, but Westbrook in LA, learning to be that third guy, third string guy, um, which obviously with Westbrook didn't end up working out well, ended up coming to to across the street basically to the Clippers. Yeah. Um, but it, it's like you said, 10, 10 games. See if he figures it out. If not, you're pretty much in <laughs> for the season. So you got to figure out something. And there's they're, they're all smart smart guys. They're gonna really good it basketball out. players. They're yeah. gonna they're not gonna be they're not gonna be winless or yeah. be bottom of the West with this right. lineup on the floor. It's they just have to shoot the ball better for one and two. Find out how to space the floor. So that not everyone is is taking bum shots like they were against the Knicks. I mean, yeah. it was it was horrible. Which Kawhi had some very open shots that he was missing. He shot like the worst three point percentage in that game off of wide open threes. It was it was just shots that should have been going down weren't. Yeah, and I think I think that's where why I said earlier Mason Plumlee was going to be so important mm-hmm. to this because there's. Everybody, they have three guys that really want to shoot it, and Westbrook also wants to get some mm-hmm. shots up, right? So it's who's going to get the shots and when. Where's the shot distribution like? Right. And I think because Mason Plumlee can act as a hub where he's he's a good passer, he's mm-hmm. you know screening, he's not looking for his shot. I think that can even out some of that shot disparity that they have. And Zubats, he's a good roller. He's a good screener, but he's not really doing a whole lot passing. Mm-hmm. You don't really want the ball in his hands at all. He's not going to do any ball handling, and I think that's where I actually thought Plumley should maybe start at Over least initially, just to try to help everyone gel with his mm-hmm. passing and stuff. So I think they're really going to miss that with the injury because they don't, yeah. you know, unless Westbrook acts as a hub, they don't really have that kind of player on the roster now. Right, and it's hard for. Westbrook at six two to be like a central in the middle of the floor. Like he works, he operates a lot better outside the perimeter, looking in rather than posting up high post and then yeah. seeing where he can pass around to. We've uh, we've seen Westbrook at the five in Houston, and it was interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, doesn't really gel too well. Um, I. <laughs> Do you think it was smart pairing Russell and James Harden back up? I, I, I struggle because Westbrook had just found his rhythm with this team and they mm-hmm. were playing really well. And we saw in Houston, I mean, they did win games, so let's mm-hmm. you know not act like they were bad. Right. But it's an interesting pairing from the Clippers. I don't hate them making the move because I could see mm-hmm. them looking at the roster and being like, the odds of us being healthy and then playing the best we possibly can, which is what it would have required to be a championship team like this in theory raises their ceiling. Mm-hmm. So I like the move in that case, but it's Ty, Ty is going to have some sleepless, sleepless nights <laughs> trying to figure out how to make this, yeah, how to make this raise their ceiling versus just a different look for teams. Yeah. And I, I, on it, I, I, I think they were probably already thinking about it before the trade even happened just to see like how can we make this happen if we do make this trade. Yeah. So I think he's he's getting there. He and his coaching staff are probably getting there. It's just now that they actually see it on the court, they can watch film and see how this and this and this can get better and how that and that and that need to be taken out of the game. 
Yeah. So I, I, I definitely think as time goes on, it's going to be a better better mesh, but it definitely does not look promising at an 0-3. From a from a bare bones perspective, it, if you watch the game, they look they look better than zero and three together. But it's it's just we'll just have to see as time goes on if they figure it out. And that's kind of my theme early in the season is just have some patience. Yeah. Um, let's switch over to the Sixers. Unless you wanted to talk about the Thunder or the nope. Kings involvement. <laughs> all good. Uh, all right, Sixers. Like we said, they got. Uh, a bunch of wings and draft capital, and they're also winning a lot of games. They're seven yep. and one right now. They've won seven games in a row. Mm-hmm. Dropped the first game against the um, the who did they play the first? Who did they play in the opener? I don't remember exactly, but it was um, they dro- they dropped the first one and then have now won seven straight, including over the Celtics. Oh, it's Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yes, yes, and. They barely lost that too. It was yeah. a Damian Lillard game winner to win it. So yeah, it's they've they've had very close games. What what are your thoughts about the trade? Like what what do you think they, the Sixers are doing with all of this? Uh, well, first and foremost, they maintain a ton of flexibility if they decide not to make a trade. Mm-hmm. Because going into the offseason, they're one of maybe two teams that have significant. Uh, cap space and they're also a contender so mm-hmm. if they just keep right now they'll have I think I think they have like 50 million in cap space enough yeah, to sign a max a player so they could mm-hmm. if there's a max player they like they could go get him they also added enough draft capital that they could go trade for a max player if they wanted to or yeah. they could trade for you know basically anyone that's on the trade market they have the assets to go get them yep which I like I do think they should be patient because they're winning right now, and they haven't seen what all this depth looks like. They have yeah. so much depth right now. Um, they've been using Nick Batum with some interesting lineups that have been really good so far early on. Um, I, I, the Sixers are they they're about one of the best positions you can be in outside of maybe Boston and Denver. They're maybe the best position of any team in the NBA right now. I think. Yeah, I agree. And a lot of people saw James Harden leaving as like, oh, you're losing offensive firepower. But did they? Because Tyrese Maxey now has the freedom to <laughs> go crazy. He knows exactly when his shots are coming from, where they're coming from, and yeah. how many of them he gets to take, which is as many as he wants. <laughs> and we, I, you know, we talked about Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey. I gotta give flowers to Tobias Harris too. He's playing exceptionally well this year so far, and Kelly um, Oubre as well. Yes, both of them have just been exceptional wings. They're both shooting the ball very well and efficiently. Um, I, I I thought I saw somewhere that Tobias Harris was averaging 22 points a game. I think with six rebounds, four assists, or something like that, which is a good role player on any team. I mean, yeah. that's a very good <laughs> more than role a role player. player there, yeah. yeah, yeah. In many places, that would be the star of the the team. Uh, so I I I just over the last couple of years, he's just kind of been the third guy, fourth guy on the team. Now he is the second or third, depending on who's in the game, and has the chance to. I mean, a lot of his points come from inside. Like he he drives a lot, and he has good mid range. Can step out and shoot the three. But he's just been so efficient inside right now. Yeah. Same with Embiid. And but this team is looking deadly. It yeah. Looks good. 
I think a lot of it is they're moving a lot more freer and they're playing with more mm-hmm. pace. Last year it was a lot of James Harden, you know, walk the ball up and now you get in a pick and roll with Joel Embiid and then you, you know, throw it in the short roll and now you clear out and it's an ISO mm-hmm. and you're shooting the ball with, you know, four seconds left in the shot clock or whatever and it's a contested mid-range. And mm-hmm. I think this year they're playing with a lot more flow, a lot more movement. Yeah. Um, and then when they do go to an isolation, it's a much quicker play and there's... Um, you know, they're just—they're not just standing around setting up the play. I also right. think Joel Embiid has done a good job this year. You see him when he catches it; the first thing he's looking at is like where are the cutters. I'm going to pass it. Yeah, I'm going to get an assist because if when he when you're a score first guy, the other team knows you want to score, and then a double team works. If you're a pass first guy, the double team don't work quite as well. So yeah, I think he's done a good job of that early in the season. Yeah, Joel Embiid is averaging 5.5 assists a game, so you can see that that he's just opening up and watching where guys are going to see if he can get them open. Um, highlight assists on on that team: Tyrese Maxey is averaging 7.5, or uh, about said points assists a game, <laughs> um, and. It, Along with 25.9 points a game. Very good efficiency. Yeah. I mean, this is... He's averaging a 7.5 to 0 turnover ratio this season. Wow. Yeah. He he has been exceptional with the ball. Um, I think they're going to be just fine without James Harden. I think that this was... This was them getting better by losing James Harden and picking up drafts... Or not draft draft stock kind of in in picks but also trade trade assets as well yeah, they'll most likely use those as trade because mm-hmm. let's be honest philly doesn't know how to draft so they should probably trade <laughs> the picks to someone who does and just yeah. pick up somebody else's draft picks um so there's been a lot of speculation about uh, around zach levine and mm-hmm. pascal siakam and the sixers interest in them do you think that the Sixers should go star hunting? Do you think, and maybe not right now, but at some point, do you think they should pick up a role player or do you think they should just stand pat? I, I honestly think they should stay stand where they're at right now. Um, I, don't, I can't see either one of them making the team better overall. I think that they they're they're both very good players. But it's gonna have this same effect as as Harden going to the Clippers. Is we're gonna get a new guy who wants the ball in their hands quite a bit. How are we gonna make this happen? Hmm. Right now, you have two guys that are primarily wanting the ball in their hands in Maxi and Embiid. You add one more person into that, I think it's just gonna be a, a mess. Yeah. So, I I think that they just need to stay where they're at. They're both Siakam and Levine, both super good pe- players overall. Um, but I just, I just think they need to stay where they're at. I think definitely Levine is going to want the ball in his hands more than what the Sixers will be able to offer to him. And Siakam, I think, kind of plays a, a less potent role of Embiid, I yeah. feel like. He's better defensively, I think, overall. He's a defensive threat. Past the perimeter, too. I mean, he's a good perimeter defender. Joel Embiid is a good interior defender. But I, I just think that Siakam, I don't think, really fits into the, the role very well. I, they could probably make it work, but I just I don't see, foresee that happening. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, I think, first of all, the issue with Siakam, I think, is 
uh, is that going to take away space for Embiid? Right now, mm-hmm. everyone, every single player that plays with Embiid gives him space. They're all mm-hmm. spacers. And I think you run into an issue with Pascal Siakam of how do you get space for him? Plus, I do think there could be an issue because Nick Nurse had some bad blood last year yeah. in Toronto. There's a reason he left. Which, shout out Nick Nurse. He's done an excellent job this yeah. season. Um, and then Zach Levine, I think the issue is, of course, like you said, he's going to need shots. But also defensive liability. Their mm-hmm. defense this season has been really good. They don't have a lot of minus defenders so far. And mm-hmm. um, Zach Levine would be a subpar defender. I think Maxie's really, I mean, off the top of my head, he's the only one that's a subpar defender on their team. Everyone yeah. else is a plus defender probably. Um, I think the other thing is right now, the huge benefit with the Sixers is, like I said earlier, cap space. They've got a ton of flexibility. If you go out and make a trade for Zach Levine, it doesn't work. You're stuck with Zach Levine because he's yeah. on a long contract. So I think that's the issue. I do think come trade deadline, right, maybe a backup point guard yeah. if there's one available. Um, maybe just another bigger, like, shooting guard wing player, yeah. depending on what your wing situation is like. You know, consolidate maybe Marcus Morris and uh, KJ Martin, who's a young player, to flip into someone who you use a little bit more. But I do think, yeah, standing pat and then just patching holes at the deadline. Yeah, that's I I think that's honestly the, the best route and gives this team still flexibility in not only at the deadline, but at come offseason, this coming offseason. So it's which they're going to have to package some of the stuff that they got for someone at the deadline, but they still should have something. <laughs> they still should have the cap space in right. the offseason. Right. I think the two names that I think of at the deadline would be Alex Caruso and OG Ananobi. Mm-hmm. However, I think just about every contender is going to make a call for those guys. So, yeah. you know, everyone should really look at those guys because they're perfect fits on any team. So. Right. Right. But, and that. Both of them immediately improve the defense. Yeah, it, on a second team there, so that's that would just be incredible for that. <clears throat> but I honestly think that they should just go for a star in the off season. Yeah, whoever that may be, I don't know who the names are. I haven't really checked to see who's up for contracts. I don't think the there's any huge. Well, I I think actually technically Paul George and. Kawhi Leonard might be free agents. James Harden's a free agent. Can you imagine James Harden and Joel Embiid on the same team? Uh, Resign him. I think Pascal Siakam's also available. Yeah. I think I just thought of a point guard name that potentially might be a trade target. Tyus Jones. Okay. Yeah. I think he's a free agent this offseason, so he'll probably be available at the deadline. I think Mike Conley is too for the Timberwolves. That may be like a, a secondary. I mean, he's got I doubt he'll be available, but Yeah, probably not. I, I wouldn't I can't He'd see probably him. take up a little too much of cap space, I would assume. Yeah, and I, I the way Minnesota started, I can't see them Yeah. changing too much. Doing too much there. Yeah. Anything else you want to cover on that trade? Um not really. I, I do think it's funny that the Clippers ha- or the Thunder have so many first-round draft picks. They're like, eh, you know what? We'll free up a, a draft pick that we can trade later by making this pick swap. Like, yeah, eh, whatever. <laughs> it's just one one first-round draft pick. How valuable could that be? You you see them in like every trade yeah. doing this, where they're just, just like, here you go. What you got for me? And it's <laughs> it's yeah. so funny. It's like a, so funny. Like a bank. They got loans and they'll collect interest on them yeah. later. Yeah. 
It is it is crazy. I think I saw that they had 26 or 27 draft picks upcoming in the next seven years or something like that. It's just insane. Insane. Um, anything else you want to cover in the press break before we start talking about the games? So oh, I, I did have one more thought. Yes. Danny yep. Green got cut or waived in that trade because they had yep. to make a roster spot. Uh, does anything stand out as far as where he may end up? Um, Any team that should sign him? Home. He should end up at home. You don't think anyone should <laughs> sign him? I No, I think he just needs to retire, honestly. like he He's a very good player in the minutes that he plays, I will say. like He's not a potent three-point shooter like he used to be. Um, I just I think it's time for him to, to hang it up. You got your rings, my guy. Go home. <laughs> I think there's a few contenders, uh, namely Milwaukee, because they're desperate for perimeter defense yeah. that should maybe pick up the phone. Um, just because, again, Milwaukee is... Mm-hmm. Uh, and We'll wait into that in a sec, but I, yeah, I, I do think that would be one... Um, Reportedly, if a roster spot frees up, he might be interested in coming back to the Sixers. We'll see if that happens. Um, I think he could be an interesting sort of end of bench situational defender for a yeah. contending team. Yeah, I mean, it, it's nothing by me saying that. It's nothing. I'm not saying leave because you're an awful person or anything like that. I just think, I don't know. He's just not been the guy that everyone has assumed of him recently. And. Especially, it, I mean, it started in 2020 with the Lakers whenever he was not making shots for them in the finals and in the conference finals, and he was getting a lot of heat for that. Yeah. Um, which, to his, you know, to his, for a positive for him, he has completely put that behind him and has not paid a single, you know, hair of attention to it. But he, I think it's just go go home you got your rings you got yeah. your money go yeah. home <laughs> yeah. i would do that you know he's he came in in 09 10 with uh the Cavs. actually he was drafted by the Cavs, and um i mean what th- 14 years now 15 years yeah you got your time you got your money you got your rings <laughs> go get a uh uh a tv deal somewhere yeah be go probably start a podcast making more money. <laughs> that's yeah. what everyone does <laughs> uh, yeah that that's my thought on that. I just I I he would probably I mean like you said he'd be end of bench type person. That's my only thought. Like if he wants to stay around the game, do that. Yeah. If not, you, like I said, you got your money, you got your rings. Go home to your family. All right. Um, who's some teams, players you want to discuss? I have. I have a specific game that I want to cover first off. Okay. Um, this happened the day after we recorded last time it was on the 29th october 29th it was the lakers and the kings uh the kings end up winning 132 to 124 in overtime this game was nuts i so uh, De'Aaron fox willed the team basically to overtime the lakers were leading at one point by seven in the fourth quarter with about four minutes left De'Aaron fox goes absolutely berserk on a sprained ankle, which he is, I think he's still out for. Yeah, he still has not played since he hurt it in that game, which yeah. he finished. Yeah, he finished the like the the uh, regulation time, and then sat the entire overtime. Oh, he, I didn't know he didn't play in overtime. Yeah, so he sat the entire overtime, and which he okay, so he forced overtime with his shots, 
and then sat the, the whole overtime along with Sabonis who had fouled out in regulation. So the starting five was Malik Monk. Um, they had who else? I can't remember exactly who all was on the on the floor at that point. Um, Kevin Herter was one of them. Uh, it, it, anyway, Malik Monk went absolutely absurd that game. I think he scored 14 points in overtime. Wow. Um, hit two dagger three pointers. One of them was from like 32 feet out. It was it was a long shot, and they they played so well. And it was like if they can play like this without their two stars. Yeah, this is going to be fantastic. Obviously, yeah. we haven't seen that since. They, I think they're four and four now, or three and some somewhere around there. They're about even. I think they won their first game since Fox went out, like last night, maybe or the night yeah. before. Yeah, they might have won two in a row now. I'm not sure, but they did. They did lose a couple in a row after Fox went down. Yeah. So I mean, it's very promising for them. They haven't shown that it's that that's what they're going to do day in and day out. Uh, but it looked it was such a good game. Um, there were some some late fouls. LeBron actually made a, a, a rare dumb decision on an inbounds pass and just let the ball roll uh, with a defender about two feet away. <laughs> and they picked up the ball. I don't remember who was defending on him, but picked up the ball. It scored two easy points. It was like a rare, <laughs> rare mind lapse from LeBron. Uh, but it was it was a fantastic game. It, it got me so hyped. And when it went to overtime, I was like, yes, more basketball. Yeah. <laughs> it was such a good game. Uh, yeah, I that was my first game that I wanted to point out. Just Malik Monk going crazy. What yeah, he's been he's been really good this season. Yeah. Um, I think the first thing I want to talk about, just because I have a fun pun for it, is a. Uh, it's been a bit of a grisly start in Memphis, you know. <laughs> yeah. They're uh, they're one oh and one and eight gosh. now. Um, tough loss last night in the in season tournament. Um, there was a significant um, complaining about the officials in that game. A lot of fans, Grizzlies fans and otherwise, thought that the officiating was very bad in that mm-hmm. game. But uh, it's 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 a tough time in Memphis. Might I add, the only one that they have is against the Trailblazers. Yes. Which they played in a, a not technically a back-to-back night tonight. It was a, a game, or it was a night in between where they didn't play. Yeah. But it was Trailblazers won in overtime the first game against them, and then they ended up losing by, I think, 12 against the Grizzlies that next time they played. So what do, what do the Grizzlies need to do to turn this around? Get Jaw back. <laughs> yeah, get Jaw Morant back. I, I haven't been able to watch any of their games. They haven't been on national TV, and they're a blackout yeah. team for us. But from what I can see, I I, I don't know. It's, it's I don't know, because they don't have a whole lot of roster mm-hmm. options. They did sign Bismack Biombo, which I thought was a good signing. Um, and Desmond Bain's been really good. Jaron Jackson Jr. has been pretty good. I think maybe... Uh, using some of their younger players, giving them some run now. So at the very least, if this season is a wash, you kind of know what those young players are. Uh, maybe they develop and uh, you have some more depth for the rest of the season. I think yeah. that's best case scenario for, for the Grizzlies right now. Um, the other thing is, I think it's don't panic, right? The Lakers made the playoffs yeah. after 1-10 start last season. John Morant's yeah. going to come back and things are going to change when he does because John Morant is a good player. Shocking. Yeah. Breaking news. <laughs> so I think don't panic. Yeah. As long as he's not making jaw just has to come back with the different mindset of like, I'm not going to make any more mistakes. Right. He's already had two strikes. You yeah. can't get that third one. I feel like 
things are just going to spiral if that happens. But the game, it, the game with Jaw is just so much more interesting than what it is right now. Desmond Bain, flowers to him, playing crazy. Um, he had 37 last night, yep. and they still lost. I mean, yeah. he, he is still just an offensive threat, and I think that having Jaw there as an interior threat of driving and just slamming on anyone, if he can draw in a bunch of people and throw out Desmond Bain for a three, I think that is going to be a deadly, deadly combo there, along if Jaron Jackson can kind of pick it up as well. His offense has kind of been so-so this season so yeah. far. So I, I, I want to see him pick it up a little bit. Once Jaw gets back, what, what are we, nine games? We got four, 16 left <laughs> without him. Imagine going uh, imagine going 1-24 with him out. Yeah, I can't imagine they'll lose that many games. They're going to get yeah. somebody on a back-to-back or something as they get closer. That would have to be the worst start of all time, I, I would think. I can't remember exactly who had the worst start, but that would... It would it would be, be close if they started one and twenty four. So I don't yeah. I don't expect them to do that. I think they need to relax a little bit and try to get their younger players involved mm-hmm. and just you know just believe in themselves. I guess I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's not a whole lot they can change. So I think that's another thing, right? They got to be like, hey, we have twenty five games where John Morant's not going to be here. Mm-hmm. We don't have anyone coming back that's going to save us. So we we have to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. It I something's going to work out with them. Something's going to click and they'll just be getting better. I'm sure. Um, do you think that they'll finish low in the, the West based off of a slow start? I, right now, I, I, I would, I think they'll miss the playoffs to be honest. Yeah. I mean, there's other teams, young teams that are not losing as many games, mm-hmm. at least early on as you would expect them to. So the rockets. Yeah. I want to talk about them here in a second, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I do think they'll probably miss the playoffs unless something, you know, they go on a crazy win streak or something. Yeah. They can turn it around very quickly. I do think they'll miss the playoffs, but yeah, there'll still be a good team next year. I agree. Do you want to jump into the Rockets then? Yeah, let's talk so, about the Rockets. So just real quick, about a week and a half, like short, like the first week of the season, this is point that you need to be patient. The Rockets were one and three. They weren't, their offense was all over the place, very uh, their defense was still pretty good, but their offense was not good. The young players still looked kind of like they did last year where they were running around like a chicken with their head cut off. Mm-hmm. And then, out of nowhere, five-game winning streak now. They're sitting at 6-3. and three. They're in the middle of the, the Western Conference standings right now, like nine games in. But yeah. uh, I, Shane Goon's played really well. Their defense has been good. They're all of a sudden kind of figuring some stuff out. Yeah, yeah. They, this This team is is the biggest surprise I think for me so far as a positive the Grizzlies are by far my most surprising and like a negative note it's a disappointing team yes um I Shangun has been so good this year too night averaging 19 points um and let's see he's averaging eight 8.2 rebounds a game Fred van Vliet is leading the team with 8.4 assists I this is a good Team, like young team, I would yeah. say. Uh, do do you think they're going to maintain this throughout the season? Uh, it's hard to tell because I think if the rest of I think their ceiling is they're about at their ceiling right now. Mm-hmm. I think Jabari Smith could still be better. They did just get Tari Eason back, who I really like. I think he's a really good role player. 
uh, gives you a lot of versatility. So I think they'll get a little bit better. But if teams like the Clippers figure it out, you know, if mm-hmm. Memphis figures it out, I do think they don't have much higher that they can go yeah. right now unless Jalen Green. I think Jalen Green's the one guy that hasn't gotten anywhere close to his ceiling yet. I think yeah. he could turn into a 25 a night efficiently. Yeah. And um, I think if he did that, then they would they could maintain this. They have a very, very, very difficult upcoming schedule. Uh, the next four games, Denver, Clippers, Lakers, Warriors, <laughs> four in a row. And then they play Memphis, so they should win that game. But yeah. <laughs> um, they have their their difficulty. So the last four they won the last five games, including Charlotte, Sacramento, Sacramento, uh, Lakers, New Orleans. So that those five in a row. So I will say Sacramento, we had just discussed them, probably a little bit shorthanded. I would assume the Kings are probably gonna come around the next two games that they play them and win those as saying Deer and Fox is back. Charlotte, they should win that game. Yes, yeah. Charlotte. There shouldn't be any reasons, which we'll maybe get to that in a little bit too. But I think Gordon Hayward is playing fantastic this year. He is. Um, L.A. That was a very good win. Probably not going to lose to win too many more games against the the Lakers. Um, and then the Pelicans. Pelicans have been so 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 far. So we'll you know their the strength of their schedule is only going to go up from here. Yeah. I think and. This will be the next coming weeks will be the true testament of like, is this team really like a five and three, you know, 10 and six, 20 and 12? Probably not. Yeah, I would assume not. Um, but we'll we'll see how they continue to play. Is that a 40 and 24 team? Yeah, so like a 50, uh, 45, 50 win team. Probably yeah. not. <laughs> they could, if they can keep this up, they'll be right there around the play in. Yeah, they'll be playing meaningful games at the end of the season. Yeah. Oh, might might I just add right after that Memphis game that I discussed, the next three games are Denver, Dallas, Denver again. <laughs> so they got Denver three times in the next eight games. Yeah. And and then after that, clip or I'm sorry, Lakers, San Antonio, and then Memphis twice. So they should get three Memphis wins very shortly <laughs> yeah, together. They, hey, they, I will say, if there's any time to quickly play Denver, it's right now with Jamal Murray yeah. out. And if there's any time to play Memphis, it's right now with John Moran out. Yeah. So yeah. Hey, good schedule for them there in that way. I um, think Shangun's a good matchup with uh, <laughs> Jokic. I don't think Shangun's a good matchup on defense for... <laughs> Many people. Yeah. It is defense is not his strength yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, any any other teams you had? I, I got a couple more, but I know we kind of touched on it. The T Wolves uh, was that one that you yes. were wanting to touch on? Okay, I'll let you. I'll let you take care of that one. One team I want to talk about that is has has been the best offensive rated t- rated team in the league so far. We actually it was a question from the last last uh, one and one that we did was the Pacers. Mm. Pacers are so good offensively right now. They are such a potent offense. Tyrese Halliburton is averaging 12.4 assists per game right now, which is uh, the highest since uh, uh, Magic Johnson did. Um this team is looking good offensively. Offense is very good. Yeah. They don't want to talk about defense, but their no. offense is really good. Yeah. Um, one of the things that 
that um, Dallas said was that they're fine giving up 120 as long as they score more than the 120. The Pacers have the same idea. I think it might be 140 <laughs> for the Pacers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So let me just rattle off the, the amount of points that they have so far in all of their games. So first game we discussed against the Wizards, they scored 143. Second game in the win against the Cavs, 125. Lost to the Bulls, they scored 105. Lost to the Celtics, they scored 104. A win against the Cavs, 121. Loss against the Hornets somehow, 124. But they lost 125 to 124. So it was very, very, very close. Spurs, they scored 152. Hmm. Jazz, they scored 134 in a win. Bucks, they scored 126 in a win. They play the uh, the Sixers tomorrow. So I think what all those wins were 125 plus. All the wins, plus? 120 plus. All all the wins. Hmm. The only times they lost um, was when they scored. Well, the loss to the Hornets was kind of odd, but the two other games that they've lost, the Celtics and the Bulls, they scored 105 and 104, respectively. Wow. Yeah. They can score points. I'll, they they I'll, sure can. And a lot of it is because Tyrese Halliburton's ability to break down defenses. Yeah. This this team is so 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 potent. And Miles Turner, a lot of focus has been on Tyrese Halliburton. Miles Turner has played exceptionally well so far this year. Yeah. Um, 17.6 uh, points a game, um, almost eight and a half rebounds a game, uh, 1.8 assists. So not not the highlight for him, uh, but 1.7 blocks. And then Bruce Brown is leading the team in steals with 1.1 a game. So he's this team is looking good. Yeah, I, I think I think once everyone just buys into giving effort defensively mm-hmm. i think they could be a serious like tier two maybe 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 tier tier three tier two tier three contender i think once everyone buys into playing defense mm-hmm. because if you can score 120 points a game you just have to be able to hold the other team to you know 110 115 yeah. which is not a good defensive team but if you're just you're right. you know giving up pockets to everyone it's going to be hard to win some games against those better defensive teams that can yeah. also score like that have Boston. a more stacked star team that can yeah. score in in times of need yeah uh yeah that was just my point for for the pacers just they have been so darn good this is a crazy team offensively be, be fun to see how, how long they can keep it up if they keep it up all season yeah you know i think 20 to 25 games from now, we'll be able to really check in and yeah see how they're still doing. I agree. Um, any What's your next one you want to touch on? So we talked about offense. Let's talk about defense and Minnesota. Minnesota currently has the best defensive rating in the NBA and by a, cu- a couple of points, a good, a good margin, a healthy mm-hmm. margin, largely because um, Rudy Gobert is playing. He's, he's not back to maybe his all-defensive team – defensive player of the year level, but he's playing really good defense. And yeah. then they have Jaden McDaniels, who's playing really well. Yeah. And Anthony Edwards, when he buys in, is just an elite defender. Just uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, elite defender as well. Yep. Like Their scheme is really good defensively. They've been really good defensively. Just very impressive. Yeah, I agree. So the big thing that stood out to me, so I watched the game against the Celtics where they handed the Celtics their first loss of the season. Um, Anthony Edwards, so good in the fourth quarter. He went down and made. I think he. I think he scored fourteen points in the fourth fourth quarter for them in that time. In that, 
in that game. He hit back-to-back threes, made an insane up and under where he avoided, um, I can't remember if it was Porzingis or who it was that was in the paint at that time, but just up and under, somehow got the shot to go in. But the thing that stood out to me, like you had mentioned as well with Gobert, is that it seems like they're better with Gobert on the floor than with Cat. Now, Cat is actually still a good player. Don't get me wrong. He scored, I think, 29 or 32 points last night. But the team looks good with Gobert, which is surprising because we had both talked about, like, if we had to give up one of the bigs off of this team, who would we do? And we both said Gobert. But now it kind of looks like Cat would be the one this season so far. Obviously, Cat has a higher ceiling than Gobert, but... I think Cat's in his head a little bit too much this year. He was also he the game he he against the Celtics he fouled out. He had two stupid yeah. fouls in the end. His body language was horrible. Um, so I I don't know. I think he's too much in his head to start the season. Just needs to get back to himself. And this team's going to be even better if he's playing at his best ball. Yeah, I think the the hard part for Cat so far early in the season is he's playing a lot of four. Mm-hmm. So. You know, it's it's a big adjustment to go from fours defending you and fi- compared to fives defending mm-hmm. you. Not nearly as much mismatch there. And then also defensively, they're having him play, you know, whoever. They're having go bear as the roamer more so that he mm-hmm. can just help and block shots. So it's making so that Cat has to work a little bit more defensively, yeah. which he has been working defensively. He's not a great defender, but he's been working. Um, so I think, I think there's just an adjustment period there for Cat. I do think... Nas Reed gives them a nice little insurance policy if they yep. want to just go get some assets for Cat. I'm not saying they should at this point trade him, but if this season maybe doesn't go quite how they want, maybe you look at moving Cat because you do have Nas Reed in the bag, yeah. who's really good and can provide similar stuff to what Cat provides. Yeah. Yeah. This, I agree. I did. This team is just so, like overdoing my standards than what I thought they were going to. I have I've put them very low. I think I had them out of the playoffs actually in my I don't remember if it was them or if they were 9 or 10 for me, but I had them very low and I Anthony Edwards is just playing nuts. Yeah. If if we go back to the, the episode with that we had with Curtis, I had him as the most improved player just because he was going to take such a large leap. Yeah. Kind of seems like he's doing. I mean, he was a super good offensive threat then, but his averages are, are have increased on everything, and his efficiency has increased as well from last year. So, again, it's eight games in, seven eight games in. So we'll we'll see as it goes on. But he's yeah. looking very 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 good so far. Uh, notably, I think. Uh, well, they did beat Boston, like we said. Mm-hmm. Also. Uh, they handed Denver their only loss in which they held them to 89 points. So, yeah, they've been impressive so far. You know, are they going to stay healthy? Are they going to maintain it? Whatever. Yeah. But so far, things are looking good in Minnesota. Also, yeah. their uh, City Edition jerseys are pretty fire. They are so amazing. Just yeah. don't, uh, for anyone that's on Twitter, don't go to their uh, Twitter, uh, their Brazil oh account. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Please. Someone Please that do account. not. Don't do it. Who in their right mind thought that that was okay? <laughs> uh, and also, the Atlanta Hawks need... Um, I don't know if anyone saw their uh, post yesterday, but... It, I didn't uh, see this. I need to look it up. The, it, just don't look it up. Okay. <laughs> okay. Somebody needs to 
talk to their a stern talking to to their social media managers. All I'll say. Anyway, um, I got one more team. I real quick. I want to. I want to touch. I got like four more teams. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, The Knicks. Ooh. Yeah. I want to talk about the Knicks. We can double team this. We both. I both had had something about New York as well. So. I am extremely worried about Julius Randle right now. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone has not heard about his struggles so far this year, he has started the game or started the game, started the season with the lowest percentage on a uh, shooting percentage in history with at least 90 shots taken. Or 70 or 90, one, one of the two, but he had taken 90 shots, sitting at around 22% from the field. That's bad. <laughs> I don't think that I need to point that out. But that's very bad. Yeah. Um, the the big thing which we had spoken about, not on the podcast, but to each other about the Bucks game against them, uh, against the Knicks. Uh, I, Julius Randle played horribly in that game, shot 5 for 20. 25% right on par with the 22 yeah. that brought up his percentage to about a tad. <laughs> Jalen Brunson had 45 points in the fourth with, I think there was a minute not, left. Not 45 points in the fourth quarter. He had not in the fourth. <laughs> at, the, at the time of the, the end of the fourth quarter, he yeah, had 45 yeah. points. Definitely not in the fourth quarter, no. Um, so Jalen Brunson goes down, drives to the paint, pivots back, and takes a pretty well contested shot that hits the front of the rim and falls down. Julius Randall throws his hands up in the air and starts walking back to midcourt. And as the bucks are actively driving it up the floor, um, Julius Randall kind of jogs back and I don't remember who it was. I actually that don't took know it if he ever up. jogged. He might've walked the whole way. I, I, I saw the video. He kind of like picked it up a bit and then stopped at the free throw line and watched the bucks player. I don't remember exactly who it was run in for a layup and they got Dame. it. Damien Lillard, was it Dame? Yeah. Yeah, and one and one where Julius Randall could have stopped that at yeah. least made a higher contest on the shot. There's a one point game at that point as well. His motivation has been in the toilet so far this year. I'm not impressed with him by any means. Um, he did have a much better game against the Spurs just two days ago. Yeah, so. I, I just I I'm I'm worried about how the Knicks will how this will affect the Knicks through this early season into the midseason. Yeah, because they should be middle or high end in the East. Just based off of their their strength of their roster, I truly believe that they are, you know, four, five, four, three range at the best. I think that they could hit three. Um, I think five and four is usually where they would sit, but they're just playing scared right now. Besides Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett has played very well. I will say that Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett, I think are the the high points for this team. Julius Randle is really scaring me to start the season. Yeah, I I agree. I I'm not sure I like Julius Randle and the team to begin with, and his usage hasn't been great, and it's he just hasn't been very good to start the season. Maybe he'll turn it around, but he hasn't been good to start the season. Uh, I do want to talk about some people that have been good for New York, and that is Isaiah Hartenstein and Mitchell Robinson. I was just about to say Isaiah Hartenstein. Both excellent examples of modern mm-hmm. big men who maybe. They're almost like traditional big men, but they do their job so well that 
it doesn't matter that they can't shoot and they can't yeah. you know handle. They're not really good passers because they just they're just always in position defensively. They mm-hmm. get so many offensive rebounds. I think Mitchell Robinson is averaging like six point two offensive rebounds a game so yep. far. Second place, I believe. Interestingly enough, and rookie Osor Thompson, Defensive. who's averaging uh, I think four offensive rebounds a game for mm-hmm. second place. So Mitchell Robinson has been very good. He also just locked up Wembenyama on Wednesday. Um, both of those bigs have just been really, really solid to start the season. Yeah, is there are some definite bright points on this team, and, oh, yeah. and if they do decide to, to ship Randall somewhere, which I don't think that they're truly thinking that at this moment, but midseason, if he's still playing like this, they decide to to get him out. They have these guys that are not super offensive threats but can fill the gap of being that traditional big so that the guys around them can get more points yeah Jalen Brunson weirdly enough I don't think we've seen the ceiling of him yet I think he could I think he's like one lock away from being his his the best he possibly can yeah um so do you think if he's still playing like the Julius Randall is still playing like this midseason you think they try to get him out well, the interesting thing is, well, first of all, if he's playing this poorly, who's going to take him? <laughs> who's going to take him just because, you know, trade value would be really low, so it's hard to trade him yeah. at that point. But also, he's who do you get back for Julius Randle that makes your team better? A better forward is my only my only thought. Right. And and it, and it because it's hard to it's hard to think of a team because I don't think Julius Randle's contract is almost up, so it's not a salary dump situation. Yeah. And I just, I just can't think of anyone that's available for a trade where the team would say, yes, we want Julius Randle, and here's a player that makes your team better. Not the same position. Not, not necessarily the same position. Just DeMar DeRozan? Yes, but do the Bulls want Julius Randle? <laughs> Let's assume he's playing closer to his career average. Okay. So he's playing... Yeah. Maybe lower points, but more efficiently or more points, less efficiently, whatever. He's yeah. not playing as poorly as he is right now. Do the Bulls want Julius Randle? I don't know. I don't. Know. Probably not. But do the Knicks want Demar Derozan, who's about to be a free agent? Or they wait? It, I, probably not either. But wait until the off season. Yeah, and pick him up. Then I would say yeah. that for that. But it, they're in a hard spot with trading Julius Randle. I think. Yeah. You do, you. I mean, you, I think I think realistically, you could send like maybe a young player on the roster, like uh, Miles McBride, mm-hmm. and then Julius Randle, and like two firsts for Demar Rosen, or maybe a first and a couple of yeah. seconds, and then you just don't have Julius Randle on your team anymore, and it gives you some flexibility going forward. I think that's a possibility, but they're in a, definitely in a tough. They need him to be better, is what they need. Yeah, yeah, they do. It's I. That has been my big my, I would say out of anything that's been my the craziest stat that has come out of this season so far is just how bad Julius Randle has been. Yeah, and like you said, he's got he he was a little bit better this last game, but it's it's. I hope it continues, or else he's just he's looking at a way out of New York. Yeah, and New York fans are very very strongly opinionated. So, um, if he's not playing well, they're gonna want him out in. Yeah, the next ten games, oh, I would yeah. assume. So, well, you know, he's got to pick it up. Uh, who else do we want to talk about? 
just briefly, I want to touch. Jeremy Sohan mm-hmm. has been playing point guard for the Spurs. Um, it hasn't been great so far. He's shown some stuff, but in general, Trey Jones has been the better point guard. My initial reaction was, hey, you're better with Trey Jones at point guard. You should start Trey Jones. But then I'm thinking, okay, they're probably being patient, waiting, thinking long-term. If they can mm-hmm. get Jeremy Sohan to be a good point guard, that's going to give you a much higher ceiling in the long run. So right. I appreciate them being patient with him as he's been, like I said, he struggled quite a bit at point guard so far. And he himself has said it's been hard for him to transition to that position. So I just wanted to say like, you know, it's, I'm happy they're being patient because my initial reaction was, Hey, just put Trey Jones in there. You're winning. You're going to win more games with that. Yeah. But I do think it's good to, if they can develop that, they will be a much better team in the long run. I think this is the Spurs have the best team to start developing early. I mean, it's with women. Yama is the number one thing, yeah. but start developing the guys that are, you know, early, like high bench players, like sixth, seventh, eighth man with Wimby so that whenever the time comes that they do need to ship some guys out, they, those guys that are on the bench can fit into the system well with Wimby and Sohan, Vassell. Vassell's been really good. Yeah, he has. He's been playing nuts. Um, 18.6 points per game, uh, just behind Wimby in points at 19.9. Which that thirty-seven ball from thirty-eight, yeah, thirty-eight from, from Wimby definitely helped his his points per game. Uh, but Vassell is worth his money. Yeah, it's been he, really good so far. He got paid this off season. He he deserves it. Um, another team that I want to quickly talk about uh, is the Mavericks, hmm. uh, third in the West, I believe, and playing so well. Uh, primarily because of Luca, but the rest of the team is kind of fitting in hmm. very well behind him. Yeah. Um, yes, they are third. No, I'm sorry. They're second in the West behind the, the Nuggets. Uh, Luca has just been balling like crazy. Most points per game so far um, in this season. And they are looking potent offensively. Just one against the Clippers, 141 to 126. Yeah. They're putting up points. Um, yeah, this is a. They've been playing really well. I think the the thing that's just not fair is the fact that Luca is. He's always been a volume three point shooter, and now he's an efficient three point shooter. Yeah, especially he's ca- shooting a lot of catch and shoot threes really efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, Derek Lively's been really good. Yeah, uh, and Kyrie Irving's playing some pretty good defense. Yeah, which is which is a very necessary for them and it's very cool to see him buy into that yeah i i think the mavericks took jason kidd's uh what he quoted saying he's he was quoted saying something like we played like crap and need to pick it up around the lines of that defensively and that's what they did so far they've played pretty pretty good defense good enough defense to win games yeah yeah and so i it, I mean, this this team is is looking really good. If they can keep it up, that's yeah. the big thing. Is they just need to keep it up. Yeah. Um. Who who else do you want to talk about? Uh. Real quick, the Warriors bench. Yeah. Led by Chris Ball has been really good. Yeah. Um. Uh. Kaminga has been really good. Moses Moody's been really good. Dario Saric has been really good. Chris Ball mm-hmm. hasn't been scoring, but. He's been really good distributing the ball. And just in general, I think the Warriors are actually 
uh, positive with Steph in the non-Steph Curry minutes so far this year, which is a huge turnaround from last year. They're yeah. also really good on the road so far, which maybe there's a correlation there. I don't know. Yeah. But um, their bench has just been really good, and it's the reason they've won games so far this year because Wiggins hasn't been particularly good. No. Uh, Draymond Green has missed time. Clay Thompson has struggled a bit. Curry has been absolutely ridiculous. Somehow better than the rest of his career. Yeah. Which is insane. Um, but the bench has been really good for the Warriors. Yeah. Um, when Curry steps off the floor, having the most efficient offense that he's ever had in his in his career, the bench has definitely stepped up and been a big role in this. And limiting turnovers has been a huge thing for them, like yeah. crazy. Um, they are averaging as a team uh, 13.7 turnovers, which is down by almost 10 turnovers a game from last year. They're averaging 23 turnovers it, a game? It was, I think it was 21.2 or something wow. like that. Yeah. yeah. And they've always been a high turnover game uh, team since in the Steve Kerr era, because right. they, which you know comes from moving the ball and stuff the way they do. But yeah, th- those extra possessions they get with the second unit are really important. Yeah. Plus, Chris Paul just takes care of the ball like no other. He's averaging, as the primary ball handler in the second unit, he's only averaging, uh, what is it, 0.8 turnovers wow. <laughs> a game. Uh, Curry is averaging 3.6, obviously, because in the first, he gets the most minutes. Primary ball handler in the, in that time. Yeah. A lot of people were questioning whether Chris Paul was going to fit into this offense. And as a second unit, I think it's been perfect. Uh, yeah, it's been, I mean, the fact that their second unit is good now. Mm-hmm is i mean scary yeah it makes them really good i do think you know they need their starting unit now to be a little bit better to take some stuff off steph curry but yeah if wiggins just starts picking it up at all this is going to be a good 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 team and they're definitely a contender i feel like if they're if they're playing good ball fun trivia fact about the warriors through nine games no one other than steph curry has scored 20 points or more this season so, yep. pretty interesting. He also set a record this year for the only person through the first, I think, eight games in the season that had more than four points, four three-pointers made per game, which is crazy because his you know, his season where he scored 400 and however many three-pointers in a season, yeah. you would think that would be the one. But, yeah, this season's the first one that he huh. has scored, that anyone has scored four three-pointers per game in the first eight games. It's weird that it doesn't seem like that many threes. Yeah. Like it, maybe it's just because it's the first eight games is why that hasn't happened. People come in yeah. a little rusty. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But he has been so good offensively. It's it's nuts. Averaging more rebounds than assists, too, this year. 4.8 rebounds, 4.2 assists. So, 0.6 difference. Yeah, I think, it was, I think those points and assists are down a little bit, but his points yeah. are up so <laughs> yeah yeah um who who else you want to talk about uh, last thing i wanted to touch on was just the bucks defense their perimeter yep. defense has been bad so Sheesh. far um they they have figured it out a little bit i think a big part of it is just going to be figuring out especially for brooke uh lopez and Giannis, like what kind of what is our scheme where are we mm-hmm. supposed to be at once they figure that out it'll at least come back to acceptable rather than terrible which is what it's been so far but it's definitely something to watch for the box it's the reason they're struggling so far is because their defense has just been atrocious they are the only team in the top eight in the east that has a negative point differential but a a winning record 
I think they're also last in defensive rating so far this season. I think so. So yeah. definitely yeah. something to clean up there. Yeah, it's they're they're not they are not looking great, which is crazy because Brooke Lopez has been in the defensive player of the year conversation for the last however many years he's been on the Bucks. Yeah. It's it's crazy that this is happening, but it's just everyone else is just <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we we had discussed obviously getting Drew Holiday off the team takes that point guard uh, defense the defense against the the primary guard away. Yeah, so that it was going to make them obviously worse. And uh, Malik Beasley hasn't been a great replacement so far. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was going to be, but <laughs> yeah, I know it's they've definitely got some things to fix and we we had talked about the first time that you put a star in with another star getting all the gears to to turn the same way and work together is going to be a a challenge at first but i i you know dame smart Giannis is smart brook lopez is smart middleton smart i they're going to figure it out yeah i think they'll be a better team and i think really the goal with this team was not because they've won a lot of regular season games, mm-hmm. get home court advantage every year with Budenholzer, but this year they were like, you know what, that hasn't worked. I mean, we got it one title, but other yeah. a lot of other disappointments in the playoffs. Let's not fo- let's not worry so much about winning so many regular season games. The idea is we'll be better in the playoffs, yeah. even if our regular season record is worse. Yeah. So they have some time to figure this out before it becomes panic time for them. Imagine the Bucks come in with like a six or a seven seed, and they're wrecking havoc from the bottom up. I can I can already see it. the The Sixers are going to get a two seed or the one seed, and then <laughs> they have the, to play the Bucks. And in they the have second to play round. the Bucks in the first round, and it's going to be just <laughs> just a nightmare for them. Yeah. Hey, oh my, I this this Bucks team looks promising. I mean, it, on paper, now they need to to fix the defensive part of their game but the offense is still still potent yeah. so they're 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 game's been really good, good in the clutch yeah so that he did struggle the second game i think at the second or third game of the season where he only scored like six or seven points the but, hawks yeah yeah and he really bad. he didn't shoot a single free throw that game yeah which was it he i think they said uh, the game that i was watching after that they were playing um he on average gets like 13 point 13 attempts on a free throw so that's you yeah. know, if he's making ninety percent, that's eleven to twelve. I think his points uh, just off of that. His true shooting percentage for the game, which his his field goal percentage is in the forties, his three point percentage is in the thirties, but then he mm-hmm. gets so many free throws. His true shooting percentage is in like I think it was in the high fifties, low sixties for the season, and then when he gets in clutch time, it's like eighty percent. So he's still good in the clutch. He struggled the rest of the game. But, yeah. Um. Anything else you wanted to discuss? Any other teams or players you wanted to talk about? I don't think so. Uh, this this season, I just I'm gonna keep harping on this. Has been so much fun to watch, oh, yeah. especially we we haven't really talked too much about the end season tournament. But this is it is so fun, and it's, I really like the new courts they're doing. Besides the Bulls court, good Lord Almighty, it burns my eyes to watch that game. So much red. Um, I I I think that. Definitely, the in-season tournament has increased the the competitiveness at this point of the season. Average margin of victory in non-in-season tournament games is eleven something points 
in each game and the average margin of victory in in-season tournament games is six. Yeah. So their teams are definitely putting more defensive emphasis on these games and teams are just playing overall better too in these games, like offensively. So it's been fun. I really like, I really like what they're doing and I like, I like that they have the court different for the in-season tournament just so the viewers realize yeah. this is a different game some of the courts are really cool like, yeah i really like the sun's court with all the purple yeah and the, the, like the el valley yeah. ballet or however they say it. it's el, uh, el Va- valle 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 i, I guess like it would that. be yeah yeah um, the valley yeah <laughs> so it's it it looks it, this is very fun. This is a very fun season to see so far, and I'm very excited for to sit, come around December to see where we're sitting. And we'll know in the next, I think, two weeks who the 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 six teams are that advance. Is it six or eight? Uh, it's eight teams. I think we'll know probably in like three weeks, close to the end yeah. of November, so we'll know. Maybe next yeah. episode we'll do some predictions on our yeah on the, for the in season tournament, but. Uh, in-season tournaments are really fun. Tuesdays and Friday nights, check them out. They're really good basketball. Yeah. And there's I, a, just a lot of games on. Yeah. They, it's just, I have never paid, like, I, I enjoy watching basketball, but I've never paid this much attention to start the season uh, on the NBA. And I just love enjoying basketball, and this has been enjoyable basketball to watch. Yeah. Um, real quick before we move on to interesting facts and uh, the one and one, I wanted to talk very very shortly about Illinois basketball. Okay. Um, Illinois, right after we recorded last time, played against Kansas, number one seed against uh, number one seed Kansas against seed rank I would say in the AP poll against Illinois, who is ranked twenty five in the AP poll. Um, Illinois somehow won this game <laughs> exhibition game, but yeah, <laughs> yes. But still, I mean, did you were you able to watch the game at I, all? I did not. I tuned in a little bit at the end, but yeah. Every time Hunter Dickinson touched the basketball, State Farm Center erupted in chance of <laughs> just probably some not great chance too. But Illinois just has that big of a distaste towards Michigan players that even when they leave Michigan, yeah, they Hunter still Dickinson torture. still hasn't beat Illinois. So yeah, yeah. It's so funny, but they played extremely well. So I'm I'm excited. Illinois is still playing to the competition level, as evidenced by last night's win against. Uh, oh, who was it? Oakland. Oakland. Eleven point win against Oakland. They they need to play better against teams that they should be beating by a lot more. Oh, quick, uh, quick. Illinois basketball news: Sincere Harris will be redshirting this yes. season. He just decided it like. Before, right before their first game of the season, I mm-hmm. think. So he will not be playing this season. It's just crazy how well he played last year that he's not getting more, yeah, at least defensive time. Yeah. I think there was just a lot of transfers and stuff, and he yeah. decided take a year off, get stronger, bigger, better. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to watch this team. Obviously, we haven't had too much to see of them yet. Um, they've got another game coming up either Monday, I think it is. Maybe maybe t- it's not tonight, I don't think. They just played yesterday. It's probably yeah. So coming up soon. Hopefully I can we'll watch it. So far they've been on Big Ten Plus, so yeah. I haven't seen any of their first two games. But Yeah. Anything else you want to cover with them? Nope. I'm All right. Here. We're going to some interesting facts. What do you got? All right. So I got a couple of things, um, specifically about Wimby. 
uh, Wimby had that 37-point game against the uh, Suns in the second time that they played them back-to-back. They played them two games in a row with a day in between. Uh, so that game that Wimby had... Um, no, I'm sorry. The first game when Wimby had 18 points, it wasn't the the one that they won by quite a bit when Wimby had 37. The Spurs trailed for 47 minutes mm-hmm. and 59 seconds, which if you're not aware of how long an NBA game is, it is 48 minutes, which means that they led for one second of that game. It wasn't the first second of the game. Nope. It was the last second. They somehow won yeah. <laughs> that game. That is absolutely nuts. Um, the matchup of KD against Wimbanyama when he switched on to him and played, uh, KD drove to the right baseline, uh, stepped back alongside the baseline, and then made it over Wimbanyama. Um, I saw a picture of uh, KD in like a Grim Reaper because he's a <laughs> Slim Reaper. And then Wimbanyama, Wimbanyama has been called uh, Slenderman now because he dressed up as Slenderman for Halloween. Yeah, It was like the two of them. With Kevin Durant shooting over, it was it was just a good 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 picture. I liked it. Um, also, with Women Yama's thirty eight points in the game, uh, he now has one more point as a career high in points than Bill Russell. Bill Russell scored thirty seven yeah. in his yeah. career high points That's crazy. single game. Yeah, and he's, he's got a long way to go at the rebounds. For yeah, Bill oh Russell. yeah, I'm gonna get like and championships. Yeah. <laughs> Eleven championships. Eleven to Bill go. Russell. Yep. Run down. <laughs> So um, the other thing I want to touch on real quick is this interesting stat. So obviously the Nuggets won last season. In 2011, the Mavs won, which was that was the that was a very underdog win for the Mavs because they were playing the the loaded Heat. Yep. Um, and so so we're going to compare the 2011 Mavs to the 2023 Nuggets real quick. So in they're, they're both led by European star, obviously, with Jokic. And then with the Mavericks, it was Dirk Nowitzki. Mm. They both had zero all-star teammates. So Jamal Murray has never had any teammates. For um, Dirk, Tyson Chandler, Jason Terry, J.J. Barea, Sean... Um, oh, what was it? I can't remember what the other guys... Uh, Jason Kidd was the other. Um, none of those guys were, were all-stars. They both beat KD in 2011. It was when he was on the Thunder. Obviously, in 23, it was on the Suns. They both swept the Lakers. <laughs> Somehow, Kobe and, and Powell got swept. Don't know how that happened. They both beat the, the Heat in the finals. Huh. Some interesting similarities there. It was the both teams' first championship, too. Um, it, it that was just that's just crazy that that was so similar of, of a yeah of a thing. So what what I'm saying is Jokic is going to have more points than, <laughs> than Dirk Nowitzki, which is like what thirty some thousand I think. Which Jokic has got a lot to go, but no, I it's just nuts. I I think it's so crazy that they were that similar. But. I believe Jokic just moved into third all fourth all time on uh, the triple doubles list, just really? past LeBron. So. That's that is that is crazy. Yeah. Um, you have any stats this week? That or was, that crazy was the information? Only one. Okay. That's very, very crazy still. All right. One and one. So as as a score right now, we're all tied up. Is it four four, five, 
five. We're tied up. <laughs> Either one. So, uh, but first, okay, check us out on our yes. socials at the CACS Pod on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, send us questions anytime you're watching basketball, thinking about yep. basketball, NBA, college, whatever. Yeah, send it in. We'll discuss it. Um, want to thank Cottage for our theme music. Yep, intro and outro. Um, Slaps. Anything else I'm missing? No. Just follow us and we will uh, answer all your questions. I'll, I will. I lacked it this last week about sending out a thing for you to respond to for questions. I will do that this coming coming week. But uh, we'll see you back for episode 13. But let's jump into the one-on-one real quick before. All right. First question. So um, we had this interesting stat before cam thomas we forgot to discuss cam thomas about his injury his short injury here he's got an ankle, oh, ankle I didn't injury. See that. um so cam thomas has now uh is now leading in the highest points per game for the first uh 10 games and a start okay. for the nets um he's averaging 28.9 points per game who is the previous leader i'd have to just go you told me this stat like a week ago did i mm-hmm I, Kevin Durant. I'll give you one more hint because that was, I, it was it was one. So it wasn't Cam Thomas. It wasn't Kevin Durant. Oh, Kyrie Irving. No. It was, For the it Nets. Was, it was, no, no, no. Okay, so let I'll give you a different one. Not the Nets. Total overall oh. in the league. So not who, on the which Nets. Which player had the best? 10 game start. Yes, not for the Nets, but in total in history. You told me this stat like a week ago. Oh, uh, is it Wilt Chamberlain? No, it was Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. That was my other one. I wasn't sure which one it was. Ah. Okay. I this one I will give you if you if you know this is the second one, because this okay. one is very difficult. Um, what is Cam Thomas's highest scoring game at, in points? What was his highest scoring game in points? Was it did he have a fifty burger or was it forty nine? I'm gonna go fifty. It was forty seven. Forty seven. Ah that's so close. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ah, oh, wait, right. what, was, what, was, what was Michael Jordan's uh, 10 game start? Uh, it was uh, 27.2 okay. points per game. But yes, ah. that's I, I thought I was giving that to you because you told me that stat like a week ago. I know, I <laughs> he was like, I since MJ. <laughs> All right. Well, you'll see you back in two weeks for episode 13. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye.